Brotherhood, multiplication, restoration. We are Sin Network. We're a family, planting churches together. Join us as we hear from leaders of this movement from across North America and discover what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. Kathy Lytton. Welcome to the We Are Sin Network podcast. This is a takeover edition of the We Are Sin Network, and uh, I'm the director of planning spouse development at the North American Mission Board, and Angie Lewis, who happens to be married to Dahati Lewis, who's the vice president of Sin Network, she is helping me take over this podcast today. So welcome, Angie. Yeah, thank you. I'm good at taking over things. You, can you know ask what? Me. I love this language. Now, we do want to paint a picture that we don't have Dahati tied up any place. It's not like that. It's not that kind of takeover, right? right? It was a friendly takeover. Friendly we takeover. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, Angie, um, introduce yourself a little bit and tell us about your family. But first, I want to lead with this because I'm pretty sure the Synetwork family would like to know the answer to this question. Do you have a really cute pet name for Dahadi? Hmm. Hmm. Not a really cute one. I just call him Babe. <laughs> I was hoping for something like Pookie Bear or, well, you know, no. I mean. Yeah, no, no. No. I had to think about okay. it for a second. No. No. Well, I'll help you find maybe a cuter, more <laughs> demeaning one. Yeah, I need one. Right? Anyway, introduce yourself. Tell us about your family. All right. I'm Angie Lewis. Um, I live in the old fourth ward in Atlanta. We've, we moved here. Oh my gosh. 11 years ago now to start blueprint church. Um, Dahadi and I have six children. They're 17, six, six, yes. 17, 16, 14, 13, 12 and 11. So I have insanely, I'm insane. I've lost my mind. I have four teenagers. So the honey and I sneak out of the house right now all the time to go for walks and just get some <laughs> headspace. Cause for those of you who have teenagers, I don't know. They, they're insane. Then they make you insane. Well, you add COVID to that many teenagers. Oh, I mean, yes. no. no, I love them. I wouldn't trade any of them, but yes, COVID mm-hmm. uh, space and uh, what do you call it? Confinement. Yes. They don't understand, yes. you know, like this whole COVID yeah. thing. They don't get it. They're like, why can't we go, go play, go see, go, you know. Yeah. You not understand, so. Well, thanks for giving us a little bit of time, but now we know you do anything to get away from your kids. So, exactly. you know, I think we're doing you a favor. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to set up our topic today. Uh, I recently wrote a blog that is on the Sun Network site with the title, When Your Husband Needs Emotional Support. Yeah. And I particularly were, was writing this with the COVID-19 crisis uh, in play here. We are facing, and we're tired of the word, but it's a real word, on these unprecedented issues. And Angie, planters everywhere, planter families are really facing so many complicated circumstances. There right. is a ton of family pressure. There's lots of financial pressure. Planting families don't have extra resources on a good day, much less in the middle of this. And so these men are facing a barrage of complicated issues. And so I wanted us to talk about emotional support because really giving emotional support in marriage is a very intimate feature of a marriage. And with the men under the pressure that they're under, 
it sets them up for a lot of emotions that they're not used to experiencing under this kind of pressure. And so um, I want to start off by asking you this question. What would you share with planting couples right now in light of it? Yeah. I think, I think the thing to start with is identifying where we're at, right? Mm -hmm. This is like you said, this, these are unprecedented times. These are, um, I think calling it what it is could be super helpful. This is a crisis. This is, this is change. This is, you know, um, I don't know what the stats are, but you hear people say like high stress seasons are when you have to move, when you have a baby, when you lose a loved one you know, like financial crisis, like those are high stress. Well, I think we can add COVID to that, that list, right? High blood pressure and all these type of things. Emotions are, um, we're just experiencing something that's bringing about emotions that maybe we didn't even know we had. And right now as a season, even if you're not affected financially, even if you're not affected um, maybe you know no one that has COVID or no one has really been affected health-wise. It's still a very, very different season. And so I think not trying, you know, not, not approaching it as if, oh, these are just normal times and we'll maintain normal rhythms, but calling it what it is. This is, this is new and it's different and it's maybe even crisis and it's maybe even like some real trauma around this. So let's call it what it is. And, you know, I, I know for us, um, my workload has gotten way harder and very That's different right. than what it That's was. Right. I had space during the day to be me. And now I have six kids at home all day long, you know, and on top of that, I'm, I'm, I'm officially a homeschool mom. and didn't know I was doing that, you know? Um, and then Dahadi has, he didn't, it wasn't like he got any more time off or um, he didn't get furloughed. He, his workload has increased uh, dramatically. So um it's a new season and we need to call it such. Well, and we're going to have some, some, some highs and some lows and maybe some real lows. Nobody's going to do this perfectly uh, by any means. There, there needs to be uh, some space for that. Um, No guidance for this. No one's done this before. Right. You know, the people who experience Spanish flu, they're no longer here. They can't tell us, you know, or um, even like World War II or just kind of similar situations. No one's here to tell us those things. That's right. So. That's right. Share with me your mindset about emotions and emotional health. How do you look at emotions and emotional health just in general? Yeah. Um, had you talked to me probably two years ago, I would have told you emotions is like speaking Greek to me. So you know mm-hmm. how traditionally the man is um, less emotional and the woman's more emotional? Mm-hmm. The and I are flipped. He's very emotionally intelligent. He knows what he's feeling. He can read me like a book. I'm like, I don't know. What would you feel if you were me? You're <laughs> sad? Okay, maybe I'm sad. I don't know. Um, so a couple of years ago, I would have said emotions are kind of for the weak. And it's, you know, going into that heart space is, you don't, no one has time for that. That was, that was kind of me. Now, having done a lot of emotional work, a lot of counseling, a lot of, you know, just kind of going through our own traumas and some things that Heidi and I have encountered these last couple of years. Um, I, I mean, you and I were talking about it yesterday. I, I don't know how one can be um, spiritually healthy and not be emotionally healthy. Yeah. They are so tied yeah. and emotions are, I mean, I think they're so important and I'm, I'm learning that this is a new phase of my um, life, but I, I know that emotions are an are they're just a tool they help us know where we are 
Right. Right. No, I love, I love that language. I think it's very, very helpful. Um, as we talk about wives giving support to their husbands, um, their emotional support, I want to say this, and this was part of the blog that I wrote. It's kind of a preliminary statement, but I want all the spouses that may be listening to us right now. I, I just want to tell you something. I've been in ministry life most of the last 44 years. And I, I would say you need to recognize the value of your support to your husband. Yeah. And more than I realized as a young wife, a younger woman, that, that men struggle with a lurking sense of self-doubt more than a woman knows because they rarely verbalize that to you. Uh, and so right. I'm going to tell every planning spike on here, your voice in your husband's life is very important and, and we can use it for good or bad. And sometimes I see this now as an old lady, I see it that my words to my husband can be the deciding vote on how he presents himself. And uh, so planning spouses out there, your role in supporting your husband is probably, you're probably the most important person to do that yeah. in his life. Yeah. I'm very, very careful with my words to the honey because they can come off as complaint, right? We're good at that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a critical mind. So, you know, I, whenever I can, whenever I see something, I see what's wrong with it first. And then I come back and, and encourage it or can see the positive. Um, I'm very careful with my words with Dahati so that I can make sure that, um, and not sugarcoating, that's not what I right. mean. Right. But right. being careful because I know my words have weight. And I don't right. want to in any way influence like, oh, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread, right? Which I do believe he's amazing, yeah. but I, I don't want to just go that route. I want to challenge, but knowing that my words really do, like you said, it can be the deciding vote for what, what's yeah. going on in, yeah. in his mind. And I've seen yeah. it happen and yeah. even prayers over him and things like that. Yeah. I think our words are very, very powerful. Uh, one of the features of emotional health is be able to understand what's going on inside of you. Uh, you know, this is individual that we're emotionally healthy when we recognize what's going on inside of us. And another sign of emotional health is be able to identify feelings of anger and sadness and fear yeah. and inadequacy. And in, we can play a supporting role in helping our husbands identify what's going on inside of them, not by us telling them what's going on inside of them. But um, you share with me that how you and Dahati have kind of created a little practice, a little exercise where you both, this is, this is mutual, right. are recognizing what's going on inside of you. Share, share with us what that looks like for you guys. Yeah. Um... Well, we start off and we ask this question of each other and we ask the question, where are you? And for mm -hmm. us, that's, I mean, if you back up, when you see in scripture, uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, the Lord asked that question of them, you know, where are you? And Adam responded, mm -hmm. I was afraid. So I hid. He didn't respond mm -hmm. with a physical answer or more of a practical answer. He responded with an emotional answer. And wow. um, so and I read a lot of Chip Dodd's work. And if, if mm -hmm. you haven't, if you don't know anything about that, Voice of the Heart is an amazing book. Um, and it's given us a language and it's given us, um, it's given us a language to use through these eight words and eight emotions. Um, and you named a couple of them, fear, hurt, anger, sadness, lonely, um, mm -hmm. 
shame, guilt, and glad. And when I say any of those words, it means the exact same thing to the Hadi. Yeah. And so we have, we have a language that we're working with. So when I say I'm lonely, it doesn't sound like an indictment to the Hadi, like, oh, you're not doing something. When I say I'm lonely, he can, he, he hears it in the way that I'm communicating it too. So that's been super mm -hmm. helpful for us. But we use those words. And so I'll, when he comes home in the afternoon, I'll say to Hadi, where are you? And he's not like, well, I'm in the living room. You know, he'll respond <laughs> with emotional words. Like, you know, today I was sad and I was lonely and I, I was hurt and you know, and, and I'm also glad. And then I'll also respond to something like, um, what's the story you're telling yourself? That's mm -hmm. a question we'll ask afterwards. Or um, uh, do you want to tell me more about your sadness or something like mm -hmm. that? Um, mm -hmm. The advice I've been given, which I never thought of these words as kind of bad words, but the advice I've been given is not to ask the question why and not to say the word should. So like mm -hmm. I was sad today, well, why did that make you sad? That sounds like an accusation and it comes mm -hmm. off like, well, shoot, maybe that shouldn't have made me sad, right? Mm -hmm. um, so instead of saying, why did that make you sad? Saying like, oh, what was the story you were telling yourself when you felt that sadness? Mm -hmm. What was mm -hmm. going on in your thought process? That, you know, so you're asking more questions so you can get a little more into the heart of things. Um, and then the reason why the should word is that sounds more like a judgment statement mm -hmm. well you should turn the oven on before you have you know whatever right yeah. it sounds like you missed something you didn't do something versus the word could well you could have turned the oven on sooner and it would be ready by now but it's not yeah. a judgment so those two words we we've tried to just ex nay from our vocabulary and then right. those questions you know where are you and then what's the story you're you're telling yourself in regard to that feeling. Well, Christine Hoover also, who is a church planner's wife, she and her husband practice some really good tools that they use on each other. And when he's telling her a situation, just like you're saying, where are you? She will ask him, how did you feel? And so again, we're not really trying to diagnose him, we're trying to listen right. and, and let him identify. And I think when we think about emotionally supporting our husbands, when we understand what they're going through or how they're responding to something, then we can really love them and serve them in the way they need to be loved. Right. And, and so not only do too, right. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and so this idea that we can help them identify their emotions. Now, again, I want to go back and say this. We're not there to fix everything, are we, Angie? We're not, if we're fixers and we're offering solutions all the time, that's not really a healthy kind of support right now. Right. I, another question that we've gotten really good about asking is, what do you need? You know, right. where are you? What's the story you're telling yourself? And what do you need? And right. allowing him to, he may not know. Oftentimes, I don't know what I need. I always say ice cream. I just need ice cream. <laughs> all at all, right? um, no, but the question being like, what do you need? Uh, because like I was saying a second ago, we can make assumptions. Like he could be hurt by something someone said at work. And I can think, well, you need to call him. You should call him and you should tell him how that, you know, should, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, as opposed to um, what do you need to make that what do you need in that relationship? Yeah. And he yeah. might say, I just needed some space. I needed to say that out loud or mm -hmm. I need to call him tomorrow. And then I know I can ask him the next day, like, Hey, did you call that person and, and reconcile or, you know, how'd that go? And 
So it just allows me to a little more into his world, you know? Right. Right. Well, you know, I've found that a lot of really loving men, and they mean this in the best sense, that they're kind of tentative to share their emotions because they're concerned it'll spark a fear in them. And I, I asked Ed this, I said, is that been your mindset? He said, yes. He said, I don't want my fear to set off your fear. Right. And so I want to say to planning spouses here, when we're in the supporting role, we have to remember that our confidence is in God. If, if I, we hear something from our husband that, that does set off a little spark of fear, we have to take those fears to the Lord and, uh, we, we, we want to be, and I'm going to say, we want to be spiritually uh, healthy and emotionally healthy at one time and manage your own emotions in the middle of it. Or, or your husband may never share with you again, right? Because they don't want to alarm us. And that safe space we're created is when I'm listening to Ed or you're listening to Hottie and he says something that maybe does spark off of fear. Like I'm trusting God with this and I'm serving my husband right now. Yeah. And, um, but I, I would encourage men to don't shy from sharing your emotions with your wife. Don't shy away from that because you're afraid it will spark her fear. It'll bring more intimacy to your marriage if you practice this. And it might spark a fear, but that's okay. Yeah, it is okay. Right? So, yeah. I mean, if the hottie came home and said, you know, something that was really scary, um, we're going to have to shut the church building. Yeah. Or we're going to have to shut the doors of the church. You know, oh, that's going to bring about a sadness. I can't pretend that didn't make me sad. Right, right. But, you know, being able to say, wow, that makes me so sad. And, but still being able to be there and be able yeah. to be present. I think the, the biggest gift we can give our husbands right now in COVID and, and otherwise is just the gift of presence. Mm -hmm. Just being willing to listen, to be in that sadness with him, to be in the joy with him, to be in the, you know, the loneliness of not being able to see people face to face. The hottie's an extrovert. He needs people. I'm an introvert. I need space. Neither one of us are getting our, you know, our needs. <laughs> so, but being able to be there in that space and, and say, wow, I hear you. I hear how that could be really hurtful. I hear how that can be, make you very, you know, afraid. I hear how that can make you wow, that does sound super lonely. I think we can, the, the best gift we can give is presence and not fixing. Yeah, I know absolutely. I don't fix whenever I start to share something. I'm, as soon as you start the fixing part, I'm like, wait, you didn't hear me because that's not how right. I would it or wait till yeah. I ask the advice part. Um, and no, I that's a great, that's a great reminder that our presence are, are showing up in this emotional moment and yeah. listening. And I mean, don't just listen, listen more than you think you should listen for those right. talkers and fixers out there. Don't pull yourself back. There, there's one more thing that I've kind of learned and I really have seen that men need from their, from their wives during this time. And if we're going to support them, we're going to have to extend to them patience and understanding. Oh, absolutely. And, and understanding that I don't want to be accountable for an emotion. My emotions can go high and low too. And sometimes my husband looks at me and says, she'll pull up. This is just, so we need to extend patience to our husband and the understanding yeah. that whatever they're feeling right now might change. And then the patience of a woman of God that believes God works in time. And, and just because you feel this way now, the work of the Holy Spirit, the truth of the word of God, it hasn't happened to you like you had this 
emotion of whatever and the nurturing of the spirit and the word of God and all of a sudden you're you're on top of that again. And so I want to say to spouses, give your husbands the patience and understanding you want them to have for you and your emotions. When you said that in the beginning, nobody's going to do this perfectly. That's right. Nobody's walked before us. Nobody can say, well, this is how you, you know, you do marriage in the midst of COVID when you're in isolation and you have, nobody can say that, right? There's no, there's no proven way. Right. So no one's going to do it perfectly. Just give yourself a ton of grace yourself too. patience for everybody else. And and that's something I'm realizing. Like I said, a second ago, Dehati's an extrovert. I'm an introvert. If I think of him as myself, then I'm trying to give him space, right? Yeah. Whereas what he needs is. Sorry, my alarm for my frame for my kids is going off. Um, and I would be missing the need that he's having. Right. I'm trying to fill my need that I'm thinking. So. Right. Right. No, that you're right. We we work with them, not with us. Well, yeah. listen, we we have eaten up. All this time, all this take, if we're going to take over this podcast, we're going to need 30 minutes instead of 20. Just file that one away, Send Network. But thank you, Angie, for being with us today. And I just hope that those of you in the Sin Network, as you listen to this, spouses and planners alike, that you will understand that we're in this together. Yeah. And Ecclesiastes remind us that two are better than one. And in this emotional support thing, this could not be more true. So thanks for listening today. We look forward to another takeover in the future. Yes. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks, Andrew. You have been listening to We Are Sin Network, a resource of the North American Mission Board. For more information about today's podcast and other relevant resources, visit sendnetwork.com.